is risen. Amen. You may sit down, and I'm going to read the resurrection accounts, and we will continue in musical worship, and then Pastor Steve will be coming, and we'll be interspersing, reflecting from the scripture with uh, worship and song this morning. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going to coming before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Let's stand and let's sing together a song that I was taught during our Good Friday service together. Man of Sorrows. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own betrayed, the sin of man and wrath of God has been on Jesus'
salvation and let's sing one more song let's sing together arise my soul arise to know that because christ has died and christ has risen there is now no condemnation there is no guilt no shame that we would arise from our guilty fears because all has been paid for it is finished in christ amen all right let's sing
for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransom sinner die. Arise. dismissed with your parents if you are age two to five to your child care class if you have kids you'd like to go you may be seated you can be dismissed now i would invite you to take your bibles and open them to first peter as we continue our celebration of the resurrection of jesus this should be a day of celebration a day where we rejoice a day where we get to to shout our hallelujahs and amens and it is okay as we go through this, if you uh, have areas that, uh, that just, uh, that the Word of God touches your soul to let out a hallelujah, that would be a great thing to do. We should celebrate this day and we should, uh, uh, you know, take this opportunity that, uh, that the church has been doing for several thousand years to drill down and focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, being Easter Sunday, this is the day where we celebrate his resurrection. And uh, excellent. Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> and we're missing our John Garber amens, aren't we? You know, so, <laughs> so Cheryl, you'll have to hold, the, hold us together here. And Lynn is back there too, so that's good. Lynn gives us some good amens as well. But obviously, the resurrection of Jesus is something that should be celebrated every day, every Sunday, every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday. But you know, during, uh, you know, the development of the church, during the periods of time where, where uh, illiteracy was a little higher, um, people used to celebrate and learn the Bible stories through the rhythms of the year. And they would focus on, on events and they would focus on things during certain times of the year to help them learn it. Now, we have our scriptures and we can get up every day and read our Bible and we have them on audio and we can do all kinds of things where we're exposed. But, but in a culture where that wasn't true, 
The liturgy of the year was very important. And so learning about the different uh, truths and themes of the Bible became part of the rhythm of life. And Easter emerges out of that. And so we get to still celebrate that, and that's a good thing. And today, as Jeff mentioned, we're going to be doing this in a really uh, different way in that I'm going to be just introducing three great benefits of the resurrection. And after every benefit that we talk about, we're going to respond in song and worship. And, uh, and, and it gives us a chance to, to, to interact with these great truths and to sing in response. The great thing that singing does is it allows us to, uh, to in, with one voice, offer praise to God and be a body that way. And so we're going to be doing that today. And we're going to be looking at three great truths, three great realities that came because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And these three great truths touch the very essence of our human existence. Now the three great truths we're going to look at in their theological terms are regeneration, justification, and glorification. And those big terms that you've heard and you're familiar with, those big terms actually touch the very essence of who we are. We're going to look at the first one right now, and it's, we're going to look at it in 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's this simple reality, and you, you have an outline there in front of you if you want to use it. It's this simple reality that the resurrection gives us life. That's what regeneration means. The resurrection gives us life. We're going to look briefly here at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. And in this passage, Peter unfolds for us all the great blessings that we have because we're in Jesus. And listen to these blessings and how they flow out of the fact that Christ rose from the dead. Follow along as I begin in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm telling you that if you are discouraged, you should read that passage, right? That is incredible what is there. There are three things that he said that, that come, that flow, because Christ rose from the dead. The first one is this, we're made alive. The second one is this, we're given an inheritance. And the third is we're protected by God. Thank you. That's exactly it, right? You get those three great realities. That is what it means to be made alive. Now, some might say, Steve, I don't get this. You talk about life and being made alive and all of this. What does that mean? Well, let me try to explain to you how this touches the needs of every human heart. Let me try to show this to you. When, when we are born, we're born with three fundamental problems. The first problem we're born with is that we're spiritually dead. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? It means this. We are disconnected relationally from God. We're so disconnected relationally from, with God, people grope and they try to find spirituality. They try to find some kind of sense of a spiritual existence. And they turn to all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Just to find some kind of spiritual connection. That's spiritual death. You're not born with this union with God where you feel the sense of his presence and, and, he's, and, and, and you're connecting with him and he's connecting with you. There's a separation. 
It's the second problem you have when you're born. We don't have any access to the glories of God. What do you mean by the glories of God? You know, God blesses his children, and he blesses them. And one of the greatest blessings that he can bless us with is, is the sense of being content in him. That we actually say, I, I have Jesus, I have enough. Now, the problem with us is that we're born in the world. We're not content with anything, right? We want everything. We want it all. And when we get it all, we want more. Because we're seeking some kind of glory. We're seeking some kind of blessing. We think, if, if only I could work for myself, then I would be happy. And then you work for yourself, and you're like, oh, my, I have no money. You know, I have no boss, but I also have no cash. Okay, that's not good, right? Whatever people do, then they go work for somebody. Okay, now I have money, but boy, I hate my job. We're just discontent all the time. It's a spiritual state of discontentment. Not only that, we have no protection. We cannot stand. We have no protection. We don't have any protection from God when we're born. That's our third problem. Which means this, our heart and our soul gets knocked around by every problem that comes our way. And we're devastated and, and we deal with our own sin and the sin of the world and living in a fallen body and it beats us up and it leaves us emotionally tired and cynical and, and, and it's easy to all of a sudden just lose faith in everything in life. But then Jesus Christ comes and as Jeff reminded us on Sunday night, he, he came in and three things happened. He stood in our place. Because you see, that's all sin. All that's a result of sin in our life. And, and, and the consequence of sin is death. And so Jesus comes to, to stand in our place so that, so that he, could, he could then endure the full punishment of God's wrath in our place. And then God would accept that. God would accept that sacrifice in our place. And so when we trust in Jesus, what happens? We're now made alive we get to commune with God. Not only that, we get connected to all of the blessings of God and suddenly the stuff, we're not looking for the stuff of this world or other people to bring us contentment. We now get access to His glory. And then God begins to protect our soul and our heart so that even though we travel through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because God is with us. That's what First Peter's saying. He's saying, you've been given that life. You can commune with God. You've been given an inheritance. You've got spiritual blessings coming upon you. And as you travel through this painful, horrible, difficult world, God will protect you. And he will not let anything get in the way of the blessings that he has in store for you. That's the resurrection of Jesus. And so when we look at this reality, what we say is, man... Jesus Christ rose from the dead so that I could be given life. I could be given a blessing. I can have communion with God and I can be protected in this troubled world. What we should do now is sing in response to that. As the musicians come, we should just take a moment and just open our voices in praise for this great blessing. Let's sing together. Let's all stand in response to know our hope alone is in Christ. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, 
this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter. Bibles now return, actually turn them to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 4 is where we are going to look at the second great benefit of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful section where Paul is talking about faith and he's talking about the faith of Abraham. 
And he's saying that Abraham trusted in the promises of God. And because he trusted in the promises of God, God called him righteous. God literally accepted him in his sight. Because he trusted in those promises. It wasn't that Abraham was perfect, but he really did believe that God would provide someone to take his sin and someone to to be the hope of the world. And he trusted in that. And then Paul goes on to try to explain that that faith of Abraham is to be our faith as well. We're to trust in the same way. And in this, he references the resurrection. And I want you to see it here. Look at Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 22. Now he's talking about Abraham. So he says, that is why his, Abraham's faith, was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He's saying the same thing that happened to Abraham can happen to us. We can trust in Jesus Now, what is it that we're trusting in Jesus for? What is it that we're looking at? And and Paul tells us right there. He said, what we're trusting in is the fact that Jesus was delivered up, put on a cross, because we were in sin. And so he was going to take our punishment like we talked about a minute ago. And then he died, and then God accepted that sin... And what he did is when he raised Jesus from the dead, he said, we now can be justified. Now, what does justified mean? Justified is a simple, I'm going to give you a simple definition. It means that you can stand before God without being afraid, without being worried, without being scared. You have a standing with God. Why? Because Jesus actually paid the penalty for all the things that you are guilty of, all the things you're ashamed of, all the things you don't want anybody to know about. He's taken them all. He's literally taken them all. And you can stand before him without fear. You know, you've heard me reference this many times my growing up. I unfortunately was raised uh, around uh, people who didn't believe that about God, and they always used fear as a way of getting you to obey God. Fear was the tactic. And so it was one of these things like, you know, I had a Sunday school teacher tell me if you, you know, if you got in a fight with your parents and the rapture came while you were fighting, you wouldn't go. You know, like, and that was like this terror you lived in as a kid. We were a little bit more of a fundamentalist background. So we were taught if you were walking in front of a movie theater and the rapture came, you wouldn't go. Okay. It was just that bad, right? I mean, it was just horrible. And so every time, you know, something would be happening and I'd be fighting with my parents and I would be thinking to myself, don't come back, Jesus, literally, you know, until I finish the fight and repent, right? I'm winning this one right now. But that's not the way God wants to be interacted with. That's not the point of the cross. Here's here's, here's how I like to say it. I'll give you kind of my uh, definition of the cross. My definition of the cross or of justification is this, that I can stand before God fully honest without fear. Honest about my worries, honest about my sins, honest about my life without fear. One of the things that, 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 that kind of judgmentalism and wrong view of Jesus does is it makes you hold back and create a world for yourself that isn't true. You, you live for your image. You live for how you're presenting yourself. 
You would never let anybody know you were struggling with something. You'd be sitting in a prayer meeting. People say, how could you pray for you? Well, just pray that I could share the gospel more, right? Everything was like, I just need to do more and more, right? It wasn't a prayer of like, man, I'm struggling this week. I don't even know. I, I'm struggling wondering if God even exists. You'd never share that in that kind of setting because then people are like, you're going to hell. Right? They just would dump on you. But the reality of the cross is that you can stand before God with complete honesty. And the great thing about justification is, is it's not encouraging sin. It's actually creating a venue where I can begin to deal with my sin. And I can stand before Christ and say, Christ, here's where I'm at. I believe that you'll cleanse me. I believe you wash me. I'm just going to put this out here full-on honesty before you because I have no fear. Because Christ took my punishment. And now I can bring who I am before God and I have a standing with God. See, the point of Christ dying and rising from the dead is to restore the relationship and to create a venue to where I can live before God and begin to deal with my life honesty, honestly and have my sin and my, my hopes and my dreams and everything dealt with before God. And I have a standing with Him without Him ever turning His back on me, without Him ever being afraid that I've crossed the line and He said, I'm done with you. But it's more like, no, I have done everything. I have died for sins that you can't even possibly know you committed. Right? The depth of your depravity, you'll never know. But I died for all of it. So come to me. Bring your life. You have a standing because Christ died. Yeah, isn't that great? That is good news. No matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, you have a standing with God because of Jesus Christ. And the great thing about that standing is that, that you are now accepted through the lens of the purity of Jesus. Jesus could look before that woman who was in, caught in adultery and the guys were going to stone her and all of this, but he didn't look at her and just define her by just the depravity. He defined her by his righteousness. And he was, he was able to say, I don't condemn you and I forgive you. And guess what? Walk away from here pure. Sin no more. Good news. You have a standing with me. You have a standing. The cross removes my fear of being honest before God. I have a standing with Him. Why don't we sing in response to that? Why don't you stand up? And let's just worship the Lord because of that great benefit. Before the throne of God above have a strong and perfect plea, the great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart.
Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon. Risen Lamb. Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, one with himself. Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Sing together again. Behold him there, the risen Lamb. Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace, the King of glory and of grace, the King of glory and of grace. You may be seated. would ask you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians now. 1 Corinthians 15 is where we see the last benefit we're going to look at here today. Not the last benefit in total, but the last one we'll examine today of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is uh, a very powerful section. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. And it's all about the reality of the resurrection, the importance of it. And this is where Paul makes that great statement that if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead, you know, then there would be no reason to follow him, no reason to be a Christian. But it is that resurrection that, that gives us the, uh, uh, the, the, the focus and the desire and the will to say, I'm going to be all in for Jesus. And, and so in this passage, he's outlining a whole bunch of, of benefits and a whole bunch of realities to the resurrection. And beginning in verse 41, he outlines uh, some, some really beautiful ways of understanding the, the impact of the resurrection and the fact that it gives us a future. And he does this in a sense of, of using a poetic picture. And, and so before I read it, let me explain to you the picture that he's painting for us. The picture that he's painting is this. He's saying, if you look up in, in the heavenlies and you see the sun and the moon and the stars, and then you even begin to examine all the stars you'll begin to notice that there's a whole bunch of glory all over in the heavens. 
And you could just, you know, spend your life just staring into the sky, both in the day and the night, and see all kinds of, of a multiplicity of glorious things. And he uses that as the backdrop to say that is the same reality. There's a multiplicity of glories that come because Christ rose from the dead. And those glories will be given to us. And so this is the picture he's painting. So let's, let's follow look at the picture here, verse 41. He says, there's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body. It's raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. Now he's saying, right, you've got all the glories of heaven. And he said, and now the reality of life, as he says at the very end, is that through Adam we get the kind of the physical breathing our, our physical life, that came first. But through the second Adam, which is Jesus, we get the spiritual life that we've talked about. But the spiritual life isn't just for the here and now. The spiritual life is going to come to play at our death. And that's what this whole middle section is about, describing our future. And I want to just look at these verses. Just look back at verse 42 again. He says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. Meaning, you know, just as the stars have all this glory... There's incredible glory when we think about the impact of the resurrection on our life when we die. He says this. He says, What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. We are brought into this world with a body that's dying. I still have you. I've mentioned this before. I remember my sophomore year health class, and the teacher began health class this way. Uh, uh, You begin the process of dying the moment you are conceived. That's how he began. And health class is about teaching you how to manage that death process until it takes over. <laughs> this was a cynical health teacher, right? <laughs> He'd been teaching too long. <laughs> probably dreaming of kids dying. I don't know. Like, you know, probably needed to get out of that job. But, but that, that stuck with me, right? It's so and it's perishable. But he says, but when the reality, because Christ rose from the dead... The shedding of this body means the receiving of a new body which will never die. It can't sin. It can't die. It's perfect. He's saying it's one of the the twinkling stars of the resurrection right there. One of the glorious things we can look at. Notice verse 43. He says it's sown in dishonor and it's raised in glory. Now all of us have things in this life that we are ashamed of, right? Things we don't want anybody to know. Things we've done. Things we've thought. Things we have felt. Things we've been tempted to do. Turn to your neighbor and, and share one of those things right now. No, Let's make this interactive. No. Right? All of us have these kind of things. What he's saying is we're born and this sin life just kind of carries with us. And we get all this dishonor. And then what's going to happen is, and and all these things that are bad about us, and all these things that are bad in our personalities, 
And then when we die, the reality is all of that just stays in the grave. And what comes out of the ash heaps of that is a glorious, regenerated person with the life of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. Yeah, right? That's, 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 that's worth a loud amen, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's so incredible. See, this is what the resurrection brings. Your life begins with dishonor, but you get to be raised in glory because Christ was raised from the dead. Notice the next one. He says it's sown in weakness and it's raised in power. We get the idea of weakness, right? We're spiritually weak. We're physically weak. We're emotionally weak. Our flesh just owns us. You know, the reality of life is that unless God does something, my natural bent is the wrong thing. But he said it, it will be raised. It will have a power to it. You will never fall away. You will, when you are raised up in that new body, he's saying that new body will have a power to it to be able to maintain itself in all of the glory that God designed humanity to have. It's raised in power because Christ rose from the dead. He says it's sown in a natural body and it's raised in a spiritual body. What's he saying? He's saying, yes, it is true. I, I'm only, we're only here right now. We live in this time. We can't live in the past. We can't live in the future. We're just right here right now. And, and our communion with God has certain limitations to it. But he's saying the reality is that this way that we experience existence will change because of the resurrection you'll now have what he calls a spiritual body. In the new heavens and new earth, it says that John said that he saw in Revelation 21, the heaven come down and join with earth. And the two become one. And and then the throne room of God is everywhere now. There's no more temple or anything. And the reality, as I've said, as you've heard me say before, you can, you'll be able to stand in the glorious spiritual presence of God and commune with Him completely in a spiritual way that only the Father and Son get to enjoy right now and then leave that moment and, and walk over and sit on a rock and eat an apple with me. You will have a spiritual body. The two will be united. It'll be glorious. He's saying this all, all became... So here's the reality is what he's saying. Because Christ rose from the dead, you have a future. Think about this. As you get older and, and, and years kind of start piling up behind you, it's easy to kind of look back at those years and say, wow, my better days are behind me. Right? It's easy to think that. It's easy to get to a certain point in time and go, wow, I think I've got lesser days ahead than behind. But the reality is that's not true. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you can be 97 years old. You can be 197 years old. And your better days are ahead of you. Do you want to just continue to exist in a weak body, in a dishonorable body? Right? Do you want that? Do you want a perishable body? Do you want a body that can't serve God, that's only bound to time and space? Or do you want the resurrected body? Right? That's what we want. Better days are ahead, no matter how old you are or how young you are. Better days are ahead because Christ rose from the dead. That's the reality of the resurrection. Why did Christ rise from the dead? To give you this type of existence. To deliver you from this weak painful, limited existence. 
Better days are ahead. So let's wrap this up. Let's just take everything we've talked about this morning, put it all together, and then just respond in worship. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I can have life, right? I can commune with God. I have access to blessing and glory even right now. God protects me in this world so that nothing could ever come my way. No pain, no trial, nothing to take away the the blessings he has in store for me. I have that. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I have a standing with God. I have a standing with God. He took my sin. I can bring my sin before him without fear. I can begin to work on my life without fear. I can begin to lay everything bare and say, God, cleanse me, sanctify me, change me right now on this side of heaven. Not because you're mad, not because if you don't do this that I'm going to go to hell, but because you love me and you want me to operate and carry out the purposes that you've designed me for. I have a standing with you now because you rose from the dead. And because Jesus rose from the dead, I have a future. I have a future. My better days are ahead. I have a future where this sinful, weak, dishonorable life that's sown in flesh and is perishable will give way to an eternal life of a spiritual body that has power and glory to it. And it will be so beautiful. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. It changed it all. And this is why we celebrate it. Why don't we stand one more time and lift our voices as a prayer, a corporate prayer, and sing this song in worship to God. So we sing the people awaiting resurrection and glory because all authority is of the risen Jesus Christ. Jesus, the ruler of all nature, the long-awaited Savior, King of kings forever. Jesus, Jesus,
be furious, submitting to their blood of lust, but rose to life victorious. Amen. All praise and honor he has given, all power and